Welcome back to Ghostly Talk. This is Scott L. This is Amber. Busy week. Crazy week. What'd you do? I cut my hair off. You did? Yeah, my hair's short now. And then you were like, you don't even notice me. You don't even look at me. Bitch. And Yeah, and yeah, then that's, I... That's, it no. looks the same from the front. It does. It doesn't I, look any different. I, I, well, I hate... And you doing, came in with a hat on, so... I hate doing these things because I have to deal with... Oh, you got your haircut. Yeah, you're gonna have to deal with that all like for the next week. Yeah, but I think I have that ace in the hole with this because my hair don't look very different from, from the, the front. front, and I always keep it pulled back. I always kept it pulled back, anyways, right? So it it's really hard to tell. Like I was at the gym. I went to the gym after work. I mean, literally, like one or two people at work today were like, "Oh, you cut your hair off! Holy crap, that's crazy!" And like, literally, one gal at the gym said, "You got a haircut! Holy crap! Look at that!" You know. So I think I have that ace in the hole where mm-hmm. I have to deal with people. But when I come to my own house, I just stood up for myself. I explained why I did not notice your hair was cut. I don't know. I'm just. I'm just a little disappointed. You walked in, in with a hat on. I was and excited because I didn't take stuff, it. And then I was looking at Twitter arguments, and I was petting the cat. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been taking hits from you for years now on this, and I finally do it. You should have just announced it then with little trumpets. I'll, yeah, I was gonna, I'll just come in with an angel core yeah. behind me. I have ye on this day. Yeah. Cut off all my hair. Yeah, like Monty Python style or something. Mowage. No, that's not Monty Python. That's uh, Princess Bride. Princess Bride. So, yeah. Uh, that, Whatever. Yeah, that's always exciting. This was a really cool show. Yes, yes, yes. This was Man. a cool show because first off, who do off, we talk to, Amber? I love talking about cryptozoology because it's not always a topic that's easy to deal with because it seems yeah. so obtuse to a lot of people who are just have a maybe general interest in the paranormal. You know, the crypto people have always been laughed at more so than the UFO or the ghost people because it's like, oh, Bigfoot, oh, Dogman. Oh, you believe in chupacabra? Like, and it's funny because some unknown animal on the planet that we haven't been able to find seems, seems less believable more, than. Yeah, well, I was going to say other life of, forms or ghosts. Instead, even? Of, instead of trying to take pictures of things that you don't really yeah. see in front of you. Again, I'm not knocking either and, one of them, but I mean, I mean, I've always been more drawn over many years to like the UFO phenomena and cryptozoology because they're more to me they're more solid and concrete to study. Yeah. And we find new species of things on the planet all the time, like down in the ocean. We don't even know half the stuff yeah. that's in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all the terrifying creatures. That's all creatures. very logical. I mean, I, I agree with stuff you. Stuff in the rainforest. Like even though they might be little bugs or, or some cute little chipmunk thing that just runs around eating cute things. Like we don't know it's out there yet, but it's there. Or. We just have to find it. Viruses. Like the coronavirus. Yeah, or terrifying things like that. That's just terrifying. You can't even see those to begin with. So I, I hope this ends soon. This really sucks. Well, yeah, it's weird. I don't know. I don't know if they're blo- I've still heard a statistic that says more people have died from the flu and do every year than this thing. Well, why are they making such it's a big damn deal of it? I, I don't oh know. Oh, my God, it's the coronavirus. I don't know. So we'll see what happens in the end. But I hope it works out. Um, Yeah, maybe we should do a show on viruses. Viruses. Find a virus expert out there. That'd be um, kind of cool, actually. Yeah, yeah we should talk yeah. to somebody about that. So, right. so anyway, to me, though, this is actually kind of terrifying because some of the people that saw things that we talk about tonight are things that they can't ever unsee. And it actually changes their life. And I don't, I don't know a lot of people that have seen these kinds of things. I've never seen anything that I would consider cryptid. 
And I don't know, honestly, how I would react. I think I would be truly scared if I was out somewhere because I know we had talked about this in the show. Like, you don't yeah. know if that thing wants to eat you or attack you or what it's going to do with you. You don't know. You have I, no if idea. If it's, you know, nine feet tall, has wings, it's like, uh, no. That will be, it could be, you could be its next meal. You yeah. have no idea. Like, if I saw something that's like, looks like a ghost, I'm not going to be as scared. I I will be honest. I would I'll be startled. Even I will, with all these I would, years I behind would be me. Startled. I know. If I it still was something would be. legitimately. I would be like, oh, wow. It's a ghost. Well, I mean, about time. <laughs> meatwad. <laughs> I wasn't doing meatwad. Oh, I, can't, I can't do meatwad. You can do meatwad. I'll kill someone in front of the old mama for 10 Now, we want everybody to rate that. Is That has to be the best meatwad impersonation ever. I could I could go in and replace Meatwad if that you person nailed, didn't you want nailed. to quit. Yes, and I'm a layman at that show. So, all right. So let's. Who do we talk to? Have, so we talked to Tobias Wayland. Yeah. Who? Has, awesome dude. Yeah, totally cool. And Tobias is a passionate for Tian who has been actively investigating the unusual for over a decade. Yeah. The first five years of his investigative career were spent as a MUFON field investigator, and following that, he investigated independently prior to becoming the head writer and editor for the Singular for Tian Society. But it was a series of informative paranormal events incorporating elements associated with hauntings, nighttime visitations, and alien abduction that as a young child first aroused his interest in the anomalous. He's carried that interest with him throughout his life, attempting to draw connections between seemingly disparate phenomena and an effort to better understand the impossible. So enjoy our talk with Tobias Wayland and our discussion of the Michigan Mothman. Yeah, yeah! Tobias, thank you so much for joining us, and we are really excited to have you on the show because when I saw there was a book coming out on the Lake Michigan Mothman, I was so excited because I am born and raised on Lake Michigan. So whenever there's something weird and strange going on, I'm, I'm in from Grand Haven um, on the Michigan side of things, uh, I, I, I jump for joy. <laughs> Plus, you have a really good cover. Whoever did your cover, it's really good. That was my wife, Emily, who's okay. also my, my partner over at the Singular Fortean Society. And I always like to tell people that I'm very lucky to have her. Um, I mean, one, because she's a wonderful person. But uh, uh, beyond that, if it wasn't for her, I would probably be another one of those guys just ranting somewhere on the <laughs> Internet, writing <laughs> green text on a black background. Sitting on, <laughs> sitting on Twitter getting angry. Dude, dude, you know what? Right. I, I, You know, it's funny you mentioned that because <laughs> – you know, and I, I don't want to single anybody out, but I've seen that a lot. Even like in, we're at what, in 2020? Yeah. Now? Oh, yeah. I, I've seen like the 1990s website design. I mean, that's basically where it is. And right. it, it, it is that, like, you know, all caps, ranting. Red type. font on a yellow background. Oh, God, it's hideous. Uh, you know, and I don't want to, I'm not beating anybody up. When you said that, that really struck a chord with <laughs> me because I've, I've seen that over and over again. And I mean, I don't, well, you know, I, let's just leave. I don't want to turn it into a shit. Yeah. <laughs> sure. But it's funny, though. 
<laughs> no, it's true. But so one of the one of the things that I pulled from the book, I, I loved this quote, and I'm going to read it. It says, that fear and amazement, the kind that freezes you in your tracks and makes you forget to grab your camera, that makes a person so afraid that they're happy you're never speaking of it again, that's the hallmark of this investigation. And I I loved that to start the show with because this book, The Lake Michigan Mothman, is essentially a collection of witness accounts through mostly Indiana and Illinois and I, and I don't think you jump to any conclusions, really. You kind of just present these stories. And there's definitely something weird going on. And so if you can tell the listeners, for anybody that's kind of unaware of this, this situation that's gone on, when did these strange sightings start to appear around Lake Michigan? And, and what were the initial reports? So, I mean, when they started to appear um, is a matter of some debate. But when we started getting reports in real time was the spring of, of 2017. And so that started in, in April of that year with three reports that came through the uh, U- uh, the Mutual UFO Network case management system. And, uh, and all three of those reports, I believe, took place uh, between the 15th and 16th of, of uh, April there. And, uh, and, and those three reports all described a large winged creature flying around uh, Chicago. Um, I, I believe two of them described it actually as really just as a, a large uh, a bird or bat-like uh, creature. And then only one of them really uh, uh, described it as having these, these uh, humanoid qualities that, that we would begin to see uh, later. And so after that, uh, you know, those sightings started to snowball and it wasn't too long before dozens and dozens were rolling in and they were rolling into uh, uh, mostly Lon Strickler over at Phantoms and Monsters and UFO, or I'm sorry, and uh, Manuel Navarrete over at UFO Clearinghouse. And then once I got more involved, uh, we, we started to get quite a few through the, uh, the Singular 40 and Society as well. So did you think, were you kind of skeptical at first? Because whenever you hear about like cryptids, you're always like, mm, oh, okay. Mm. I, what, what was your initial response when these came in? Sure. So when I first started covering these, actually, I was covering them journalistically. So, uh, you know, yeah, I was I was trying to remain objective, of of course. And uh, there there was an, uh, uh, there was a certain amount of skepticism and. And as the uh, the reports kept coming in, I mean, there was quite a bit of debate regarding their uh, uh, veracity. But once I got involved with the investigation, there was one thing that was undeniable. And that was, uh, regardless of, of what any individual believes as far as the nature of these sightings, the fact is uh, they're being reported by and happening to uh, very, very real people uh, who who are having these these life changing events, uh, you know, just catch them suddenly off off guard, and uh, and and that was something that that really stuck with me. So at the very beginning of this investigation, you know, like I said, I was trying to cover it objectively, so I I really wanted to resist tying it to any other investigation and in, in, until there was enough information to really start to make those kinds of correlations. And so I called this thing, I think I started with like the Chicago flying humanoid 
and then I, uh, boy, and then where did I go from there? As something like, um, uh, maybe just flying humanoid, and then eventually <laughs> I got to this point in this investigation, and, and we're talking maybe, uh, gosh, I don't know, a, a year into it probably, uh, before I was like, look, like this is really analogous to what happened in in Point Pleasant, and and there are a lot of people that don't necessarily like that, but. But too bad. I mean, I, I didn't necessarily like it either. Um, it just was what it was. And so eventually I, I, I landed on making that connection and, and, and just gave up and called it the, uh, the, the Lake Michigan Mothman. Yeah, it's, got, it's catchier than just fly, <laughs> yeah, there, than there flying that, humanoid. You know. um, <laughs> nice and alliteration. I was, I was watching you in the Small Town Monsters production, Terror in the Skies. And, and I know like what what you were just saying, like Lauren Coleman was a little uh, critical of using the term Mothman. Um, but did you, did you find any, like, what are the correlations that you've noticed with these like, like Michigan sightings and the 1966 Point Pleasant sightings? Have, have you found any sure. connections? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, the strongest parallels certainly are the uh, uh, descriptive, details of the creature it's itself so you've got uh this this flying uh humanoid shaped thing um you know people describe it between generally somewhere between six and eight feet tall um with uh with with glowing red eyes they they use uh descriptive terms like uh bird-like or or bat-like um and there is this this strong sense of fear most often in well in those cases that i think have the highest probability of, of being the the truly paranormal cases you 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 see this this strong terror and that was something you know commonly reported in in, in the point pleasant sightings as, as well and on top of that you know you've got all of this um i don't know that it's it's necessarily related but it's it's happening concurrently you've got all of this other weird stuff happening so we've got uh ufo sightings um you know we've 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 got pterosaur sightings all in all sharing space at, at least geographically with with these uh, uh lake michigan mothman sightings and so with all of that weirdness um i just found it very difficult at a certain point not to look at it holistically you know, uh, maybe similarly to like a, 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 a John Keel sort of approach, like how, you know, he, yeah. he, he went at the, the uh, Point Pleasant Mothman. And, yeah. and there were just too many correlations at, at, at that point, at, at least for me. Yeah, it's like it's like when Keel said like window areas. And right. did, when you, did you notice with, with UFO stuff, how, how many of the reports from the Lake Michigan stuff seem to have UFO elements like lights in the sky or anything like that? There were definitely a handful. Uh, interestingly enough, one of the very first reports um, that came through MUFON uh, involved a, a green light scene just after the, the uh, witness had encountered this flying, whatever it was. She, she described it as a, a, a giant bat at that time. Um, there, there have certainly been other sightings, even recently, um, you know, we've, we've, we've had some, uh, UFO, uh, reports coming out of the, the same areas. So you've got, uh, well, like, uh, O'Hare International Airport, for instance, 
uh, there has been a, a spate of, of recent sighting reports in that area. So the actual airport itself, and then also uh, some of the, the villages that border it. So you think like Rosemont and uh, Bensonville. And, um, and yeah, and so, you know, there was a, a, a UFO report that just came out of O'Hare uh, very recently in the same area that people have, have been reporting um, the, the more recent uh, Lake Michigan Mothman sightings. So um, the, the, the correlation is there as far as sort of direct interaction. Um, boy, that's, that's a lot harder um, because, again, I, I, I don't have any evidence that the two are related other than proximity. So right. I, as, as far as I know, nobody's seen like Mothman going into a flying saucer yeah. or, or you know <laughs> anything like that. They just happen to be in the same area. Were there many men in black reports with the Lake Michigan sightings at all? Like anything? You know, that has been something that, that I, honestly, that's one of two uh, fairly conspicuous things that have been missing that I think people like to point to, uh, which is, is, is fair enough. Um, now there were some grumblings of, uh, of, of some sort of, uh, conspiracy as far as, you know, hiding, uh, uh, information from the, the public by the city government. I, I don't have any strong, uh, evidence to, to support that other than just, you know, uh, anecdotes, uh, as far as, People reporting the same kind of of um, just you know strangely behaving uh, uh, men in black, like the almost alien men in black that that people were were talking about uh, back in in '66 and '67 in West Virginia. You know, there really hasn't been much of that. There was one report that came through fairly recently um, of a lady who said that after her sighting, she was approached by somebody who wouldn't identify himself, but said that he was an investigator hmm. um, and, and started demanding answers and stuff. But the fact is the only people working on that case uh, were, or who even had this lady's contact information were myself, Lon and Manuel. And I can promise none of us did it. So that, that was, that's really the one instance of, of that sort of uh, uh, MIB Right. Uh, phenomenon that that we've seen so far but that along with the uh, uh, conjunctivitis like those two things have been missing although honestly I don't know how much either of those two things really happens anymore I mean it, it, yeah. it feels like those were the kinds of thing that it was relatively common for people to report you know up until maybe a few decades ago but just from my own experience, I, I don't hear a lot about them. That one report from your book about getting, it was a, I think he said he was a Chicago police officer and, and was encouraged by his kids to submit his sighting after his kids had read something about the, the Lake Michigan Mothman sightings. And it's mm. always interesting, and you hope, you hope that that report is legit, that it's just not some sure. troll on the internet, right? And... It's always great getting reports from people like police and fire and then having that other report that kind of connected that where I think it was like a journalist who saw the same thing and, and could say like, yeah, I actually saw that police officer down there at that time. And sure. yeah, we all saw the same thing. And then I, was that the case where you guys actually tried to get the, the police record, the FOIA thing? And they were like, we don't have anything. 
Yeah, actually, that's I mean, that's been one of the most controversial uh, citing reports for exactly the, the reason that you just described. So, um, I mean, this was a case where people were able to speak directly with, um, you know, the, the, the witnesses involved. But at the same time, uh, we don't have that police report. And it's a thing where honestly, like I, I reached out to uh, that, that precinct myself and they just ignored me. I mean, the the Chicago police department isn't necessarily known for being super helpful. Hmm. Um, You know, if you contact them for, for uh, you know, a FOIA request and things like that. And as far as I know, um, you know, FOIA requests really are, are only, required to be fulfilled by the uh, 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 federal government. And mm. so, um, you know, some precincts have have been helpful. Um, I personally have never had much luck dealing with the, the Chicago Police Department. But that's where some of the, the rumors of more uh, conspir- yeah. uh, conspiratorial elements started, you know, coming up too, where you've got this guy um, – who swears he he submitted this police report, uh, but none of us can 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 get a hold of it. And so, um, yeah, it's 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 really one of those where, like I said, it's just controversial. I and and I understand why it is. And I also um, I feel like I made a, a a big effort to kind of point out things like that when when they happen too, because it's it's important i mean there's been some pushback here and and the the fact is that we have to be completely open and honest about stuff like that uh because if we're not then all of those detractors are are, are going to end up being right and and um i've talked to way too many people who have like i said before had these sort of life-changing events and i i think i owe them a little better than than having the the baby thrown out with the uh, bathwater because I couldn't be bothered to mention we couldn't get our hands on a, a police report, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, and people, when they come forward and say this stuff, it's, it's not always something they want to do. And it's scary for people to say this stuff because they don't know how they're going to get judged, um, you know, by friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, um, whoever. And a lot of them, like I know you in the reports that – you can't get a hold of these people after they give a report or you can get a hold of them one more time and that's about it. Um, and, and I know that's a frustrating thing when, when you were going through these reports though, when, what, what kind of did you use to gauge whether you felt something was worth throwing out versus keeping? Sure. So my personal policy is if I do not have direct communication with, with somebody, um, I don't publish their report. I, I, I just don't. Um, so if if it was up to me, that that would just sort of be standard, and and everybody would would do it. Um, you know, there's there's a, a spectrum there. So uh, direct communication, like something that would satisfy that requirement for me, would be. I mean, always obviously, like I want to know every, like somebody's full name. Um, but then beyond that, uh, you know, being able to speak to them directly on the phone, being able to speak to them in person is better, but I'll take on the phone. Um, as far as like email communication is concerned, uh, that's where um, I really want to make sure that I'm able to verify somebody's 
identity. Um, I mean, I always try to do that anyway, but um, in in those cases, I just think people really need to make sure uh, because it's it's really difficult to uh, pick up on the the subtle social cues. I think that that you might. Uh, uh, be able to to notice if you're actually speaking to somebody, you know, like it's hard to tell if somebody is laughing the entire time that they're typing because they're they're just making up some ridiculous story. Um, one thing I have noticed just in general as an investigator is the more credible somebody seems, um, the the more likely they are to have. Uh, uh, continued contact. And, and, and that doesn't mean like indefinite, but uh, long enough to get all of the, the facts of their story out. Um, often uh, I'll find in cases that have turned out to be hoaxes, uh, you know, people don't want to give up a lot of like information, not about themselves necessarily, um, but about the actual sighting itself. And, and that's always suspicious you know like i i get it if somebody doesn't want me you know i don't know poking around you know in their house or something but um those people who are very uh vague and sort of tight-lipped about the details of their story like that's always very very suspicious uh there hasn't been a lot of that um in the lake michigan mothman investigation honestly um but yeah, that's that's definitely a a red flag. I mean, honestly, overall, uh, pretty much everybody, certainly everybody with whom I've spoken directly, has seemed very credible. Uh, certainly, nobody has been out to to uh, gain anything. There really isn't anything for them to gain, uh, other than um, really just getting somebody to to listen to their experience. Yeah. Because you're you're absolutely right. Honestly, the 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 most common narrative that I've, I uh, receive from witnesses is that, you know, they'll have this crazy, impossible experience. And the first thing, like the first thing they want to do is they want to tell somebody about it. So they go to a loved one, you know, it could be a spouse or a close friend or, or a, a relative. And, and they tell this person that they would otherwise trust implicitly and they get laughed at. Yeah. And they don't talk about it again. Until uh, through some coincidence, they find somebody like me and and they see that other people have been reporting this stuff. And then finally, um, they they have somebody with with whom they can talk about it. And the sense of relief in their voices when they finally get to um, it's it's hard to fake that. You know, I mean, that's 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 real credibility, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of like therapy. <laughs> like they get to finally yeah. talk to someone that doesn't think they're crazy well, and they're you know interested in their story. I think a person with a conscience also they they want to get this off their chest. I mean, not because they feel guilty about anything, but they want to talk to somebody about this. I mean, whether they're excited about it or they're scared, they just want to get this off their chest, right? Uh, and that's where I think that relief comes from that you guys were talking about. Yeah, and the you know the other side of this too, we, we mentioned like the. The, the malicious types, uh, you know, I know I've seen a, I've seen a few over the years of people that we we caught people, <laughs> like you know, submit like fake evidence stuff like that uh, submitted to us. Uh, we've caught it, and the question I've always asked about that too was, you have even less to gain. 
<laughs> as somebody who's just trying to fake things. That's why I don't think really you see it very much, especially right. with with this case too. Uh, I mean, really, I mean, if you unless you're really twisted and you really don't have anything, I mean, you're really bored, right? What do you have to really gain by doing that? It's just it's it's kind of hilarious if you think about that. You have less to gain than the people that are credible who are submitting, you know, real accounts of these things. Uh, I find that interesting. I've seen that I, because I've, we've all seen that in the past before. I just wanted to point that out. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and honestly, the, the thing about it is, uh, too, that, um, you know, I, my opinion changes with new evidence. Uh, so if, if I suddenly had strong evidence that there was a, a sighting that had been hoaxed, um, then that would be the new truth. I mean, frankly, like it would be irresponsible of, of me not to tell people. And I absolutely would. And, and I don't want people to think that, you know, my, my pride is such that, that I just couldn't handle it because there's a reason that at the end of the day, my determination is very much admittedly speculative, you know, it's because nobody really knows. And so, yeah, I mean, with 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 new info or or anything like that, and this has happened not in this investigation, but plenty of times in the, the uh, past. You know, um, I I'd, I'd start on a, a a story, and you know, maybe I'd even get one article out about it, and then I would discover that it's a hoax, and then I would publish a new article going, "Well, hey, you remember that thing I was talking about? Turns out it was a hoax. So here you go." Well, and that to me is the new paradigm that that I think we have to move towards doing this kind of research. Uh, Like you just said, this is speculative, right? And I think a lot of people in this field, you know, bless their hearts for playing work in and and working on ideas and, and trying to make things go forward. But I think a person sometimes gets too stuck on, you know, the material that they're working on and it becomes their, it becomes their personality. It becomes who they are, right? So if somebody does challenge it, well, now you're challenging me as a person, like that idea, mm. right? Uh, whereas I think, you know, you have to be a flexible person, especially in this field, because really, think about this. I mean, whether you're dealing with ghosts or the Mothman or UFOs, we're, we're all, what do we really know? We're trying to get answers here. So I think some people get too stuck on an idea, and, and it's the, again, it's their personality, it's who they are. And they don't want to admit they're wrong, or I shouldn't say they're wrong, but maybe somebody submitted something to them that, that was a hoax. Well, at this point, they're, they feel like they're so deep in the game that they can't admit that maybe something got by them that isn't true, right? And right. I've seen this happen over and over again, it's, and it's kind of scary. Your approach, I think, this is where it's, it needs to go. Where and I we we've had people on over the years on this show that something happened, for example, the same way where they come out or something was discovered that they were indeed a hoax, and we talked about it. We had we stepped back and said, you know what, this is we 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 wanted this person, and we thought their ideas were interesting, and we wanted to talk to them, and we found out, you know, after the fact, unfortunately, that they may have not been as forthcoming as they should have been, and that's just. Right how it is in this field. I mean, it's not easy. So that to me is the new paradigm uh, that we need to move towards in this field and admit that, Hey, this, well, you know what? I, like you said, I may have published an article on this uh, and you know what? found out otherwise. Sorry, let's move forward. <laughs> it's it's, yeah, as, sim- it's well, as simple as that. That's like, 
like I said, I mean, that's that's why you won't see me making a lot of, you know, concrete determinations. I mean, because honestly, I mean, it's 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 just intellectually dishonest to to do that a lot of the time anyway, because yeah. we don't have complete info. I mean, we we don't have all of the, the 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 facts or anything. So, you know, I might say, hey, this person said that she was abducted by aliens or something. Um, and literally, that's the truth of it. I'm saying this person told me that this is what happened to her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that she was. I'm not saying that she wasn't. I'm saying that's what she said, you know? Yeah. Tobias, one of the things I found interesting was that it was 2017 when you said a lot of the reports really kind of picked up and there was a ton of them yeah. coming in. And then from a like strictly mundane level, I loved this fact that herons, like great blue heron, herons, and some right. other one that I don't know what was named, but it's like black and nocturnal, were like there was a ton of them around that time because they were losing like their homeland and kind of moving in on the city. And then people are out at night and they look up and they see this massive like black shadow in the sky. And it's really one of these birds that they're not accustomed to seeing because they're usually off in nature somewhere. And I thought that was that was really interesting. And how many of those accounts maybe around that time do you feel were actually just herons? Sure. Uh, well, you know. I think that there is a certain profile of sighting that, that we can look at based off of several sightings that I, I know to be of some type of large bird like that. And um, like the, the, the profile for those sightings is um, most of them take place during the, the day, honestly. Um, and they're usually seen from very far away. They're usually only seen in flight. And, um, and, and they're missing some of the, the, well, all of the, really the, the sort of paranormal aspects. So there is no stark terror. Uh, generally people might feel, you know, curious or, or, you know, even startled, but mm -hmm. that, you know, that, 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 that drop your baby and run kind <laughs> of fear is missing from those sightings. Uh, and so, uh, a, a great example, for instance, is back in, I believe it was May of 2018, uh, we received a sighting report from a guy in Chicago's Pilsen neighborhood. And he said he was bicycling to work and he had this GoPro camera on his helmet. And so as he's bicycling along, he sees this couple on the street corner and he sees uh, the, the gentleman is pointing at something in the sky. And so he he looks up and, and he sees what he initially described as either a giant bat or a man in a wingsuit and he sees this thing flying around and it's it's broad daylight it's like the the uh middle of the afternoon or, or uh earlier in 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 the the day anyway and so uh he decides because he's got this camera on his helmet that he's going to follow this thing around for a little bit before work and get as much footage of it as he can and he does and he was very forthright and, and, and forthcoming, frankly, with that footage. And, and this is a guy that I spoke to myself, and he was relating his experience to me authentically. I have no doubt about that, none. Um, but the fact is, when he sent us that footage and we were able to, to get some stills out of it um, and, and blow them up, it was a bird. It was absolutely a bird. Mm. I think it was probably a a great blue heron yeah. um, because of the the size and and its shape and everything. 
Um, but you know, his, his sighting report otherwise, um, really fits the, the, the profile that I was talking about, you know, he wasn't afraid or anything. I mean, you know, hell he, he followed this thing around and tried to get more footage of it. Uh, it just, it, it lacked all of the, the, uh, paranormal aspects, but it was decidedly strange to him. Um, and so, you know, of course, like everybody, uh, who had similar sightings uh, to this guy, um, you know, he goes on the internet and he looks for a place to report this and it doesn't take him very much effort to get to, I think it was Phantoms and Monsters the the first time. And then Lon uh, uh, ref- referred him to me. But uh, yeah, I mean, these, these people would see these large migratory birds, uh, uh, great blue herons. And then it was, uh, uh, black crown night herons okay, were yeah. the, the, the other ones that kind of uh, exploded in that area. And when I say exploded, it was from like, what, 2009 to 2016 or something. You've got something like uh, uh, an explosion in the population of 24 mated pairs of black crown night herons, all the way up to like 300 mated pairs. And that's yeah. just in Lincoln Park. So that's a crazy, uh, uh, a huge jump in, in population. But uh, so in anyway, like that, that Pilsen sighting really helped me uh, as far as profiling these these large uh, uh, migratory bird sightings, because we we have all of the evidence that we need that what he saw was a bird. And we have so many sightings matching that one that now um, with the, the circumstantial evidence that that I've, I've, I've found through my research there is a there, there's really a whole category of sightings I can say okay um, these are probably misidentified birds and uh, you know percentage wise uh, it's less than half uh, probably you know maybe 40 45 percent uh, of the, the the sightings that came out of the Chicago area specifically uh, are probably misidentified large birds but that means that the other half are really, really interesting and have a lot of bizarre paranormal aspects. Right. So the the reports that I pulled from the book that were incredibly disturbing that I would never ever in my life want to run into was the tar man seen in Rockford, Illinois, and they compared it to the creature from the movie Jeepers Creepers, which I admittedly uh. hadn't seen. <laughs> so I had to Google and I was like, No, no. Oh no! If I, I if I saw that, uh uh-uh. uh, that nope. Rest of my nightmares, whole rest of my life. Yeah, nightmare fuel. Terrifying. And then the other case that was creepy was the one from Woodstock, and this was one of your your witnesses that were in, extremely credible. Um, mm. I, I got the impression didn't even really want to talk about it at first. I think it was his wife or something that like encouraged him to talk. And yeah. did you visit? Did you go and visit him? We did. Okay. I thought yeah. I had that right. And then this guy saw, like, I think the report said it took he took up like a third of the road, or it, stood eight to nine feet tall, looked leathery. And then what I thought was also interesting about that report was that it made the witness think of the um, Nephilim. So obviously he had some knowledge on that, but like, right. you know, some creepy mythic angel from the Bible, like, stepping out, like, just... Ugh. I don't know. Uh, creepy. But and then did you find some evidence in that particular area? Was that the one that I remember you found like sort of an odd footprint? Yeah, okay. that, that, that was that one. Um, 
Yeah, there was a lot uh, of. Uh, well, there was a lot of really interesting stuff about that 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 sighting. Um, you know, honestly, it's in and of itself as far uh, uh, as far as its its just narrative goes. Um, it's pretty um, standard of the 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 profile, I think, for the the uh, sightings that have the the highest likelihood of of being paranormal. So you've really got this guy. And this was uh, just February of, of last year. You've got this guy who is he's just running a perfectly mundane uh, errand. He had to go out to Walgreens for something. He's, he's literally just trying to drive home from Walgreens. <laughs> and he's passing the uh, entrance to this uh, Dewfield Pond conservation area. And just like you said, yeah, he, uh, he said that he saw this huge uh, hairy humanoid uh, thing with these these large leathery wings, uh, you know, eight or nine feet tall, uh, just taking huge strides uh, uh, across the the road. It was dark out when he saw it. Um, I think it was after eight p.m. and and uh, of course it's dark out Naturally. here um, in in February by then. But uh, yeah, so he sees this thing in the the headlights of his cars and it of his car and it it crosses the street and 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 disappears. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, his, his, his wife, uh, encouraged him to, to come forward. Um, and he, you know, this is another one where, uh, I think he, he talked to Lon first and then Lon was like, you know, Tobias, like, you got to talk to this guy, you know, and, and if you can, you should make sure you, you go down there. And I was like, well, of course I will, you know, and, uh, and I talked to him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, credible is in, in, in understatement for this guy to hear, um, the, the fear in his voice, honestly, just from our initial conversation, like, and, and that fear, it's, uh, it led to this just sort of stark, uh, honesty and, and, um, and stubbornness really. Where, you know, like you could tell from from the very beginning that this is a man who had seen something that had affected him so much that, you know, he wasn't there, there was going to be no talking him out of what he had seen, you know, like this has had a real effect on his life. And he wasn't about to have somebody dismiss it out 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 of hand. Um, and so Emily and I went down there. And uh, and yeah, I mean, I met this guy, I met his wife. They're wonderful people. Uh, they. They took us around to the the uh, sighting area, and um, there were a lot of tracks out there. Now, this is an area that that time of year is normally closed to the the public, but you know, I mean, whatever. People still go for walks; they take yeah. their dogs out there and stuff. And um, and so there was clearly some tracks um, that were you know from dogs for sure. Uh, there were some larger kind of three toed. Uh, uh, avian tracks that actually look like maybe crane or, or heron tracks, interestingly enough. And, uh, and then there were just some normal like boot prints and stuff like that. But there was this one print that was in the, the ice and it was as we were walking towards the entrance. So really in the path that this thing would have been taking, I saw this uh, elongated, what looked to be like a, a barefoot human print. And so now there wasn't a lot of detail as far as uh, uh, a lot of the stuff that you would hope to get in, in a, a print left in mud, you know, but um, what it looked like 
was a, a, a humanoid footprint with articulated toes. And there was only one of them. And I, I looked around for more, but I, I could only find one. And, and the, the only rational uh, sort of, 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 ex, uh, of uh, explanation that I could think of was, you know, maybe somebody had been out running in those barefoot running shoes oh, and, yeah. oh, and managed yep. to leave one print here that was then distorted by the sun uh, as it sort of, you know, slowly melted away. And that's, that's how we got there. But I, you know, I would have thought I, I would find more than one print if that was the case. So um, it was uh, anomalous, I well, guess, to, to, to say the least. Isn't that a thing with like Bigfoot prints? Like they'll just disappear. That's yeah. what I've heard. Yeah. yeah. I mean, actually, uh, well, my friend Jay Bachochin, um, he, he does a, a significant amount of, of Bigfoot research and, uh, and I, you know, he's told me himself, uh, he's found, um, a, a set of prints that seemingly appear out of nowhere and, and then just vanish. Yeah. And this is out in the middle of the Kettle Moraine State Forest where, you know, you wouldn't expect, uh, to find anybody's footprints, you know, let alone, uh, just a, a, a handful that then disappear. Well, you mean vanish. Yeah. Like gone. Right. Like they went back to their other dimension. <laughs> like I, yeah, I mean, it, it, it would, it would be like if, uh, I guess you could picture somebody, you know, like hanging from a helicopter or something and the helicopter kind of like lowers its altitude yeah. until their feet can touch yeah. the ground. And then they run like three or four steps and yeah. then it just lifts them back up. In oh, the air. you mean, so you yeah. need a, a succession, a couple of steps. Yeah. And yeah. Just, right. And then they're just gone. I thought you meant like the, the print was there and then it just, Oh kind of no. Like, oh no. Yeah, like it just disappears when he's looking right. at it. Yeah. No. Or, or that, that would also be cool. That would be, no, yeah, that would I've be interesting. <laughs> uh, but, but also on top, I mean, well, you know what I would, within that thought, my incorrect thought was, well, you know, prints kind of just go away in the ground. Sure. <laughs> but I mean, but, but no, what you're talking about is way more interesting because yeah, I mean, I, it, four steps and then nothing. And I've seen that before. I mean, as far as we, you know, as far as research and people seeing that, yeah. they, they mm -hmm. see that phenomena and yeah, where did it, did it fly away? Did, right. I, mean, I mean, what happened here? One of the more, I don't want to say obtuse, it's probably unfair, but one of the more, well, okay, occult things I read in the book, uh, there was a witness that contacted you wondering if like, oops, we did a ritual and maybe we caused this. <laughs> and, right. I, and I thought that was I, interesting, this yeah. this 2015 blood moon. And uh, I don't know if they were like uh, uh, witches or, or Wiccans or, or what was going on, but they were doing some ritual and claiming that they may have opened something up. And it's, yeah, it's interesting I, you know, to think I, about. Honestly, she yeah, was very nice. Um, and uh, like seriously, I'm not just saying that. She she was a wonderful person uh, with with whom to speak. And uh, and and we had, we, we had several conversations. Uh, I, I didn't write about most of them, but like that like that one in particular was was relevant. So you know, it, it needed to be included. Um, yeah, I, you know, I I it was tough to know what to make of that and and certainly um you know she wanted to emphasize to me that that she wasn't looking for attention and she didn't really think that 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 they were responsible and that somehow they had summoned this this creature you know out of the the ether or from another dimension or something but more likely you know maybe they had 
tapped into something, some sort of energy that that was already present. Right. And so uh, they 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 had this vision as as part of their ritual. And uh, I was more than willing to to entertain that, honestly. You know, I, I mean, that. I, I think that so much of this seemingly takes place on that level of, of consciousness that, um, yeah, I mean, I could see somebody being in an, in, in altered state uh, of consciousness through uh, uh, some, some method of, of achieving, you know, gnosis, be it like through an ecstatic state or, or deep meditation or something. And, uh, and maybe tapping into this, this level that, the, that, that this thing is on and, and having that kind of, of uh, uh, symbolic vision, you know? Right. And, and who's to say that, you know, that can't happen? I mean, we don't know. I mean, sure. I, it, we don't know. <laughs> Stuff is weird. Um, Quit playing I, with the switches, for God's <laughs> sake. Leave the switches alone. <laughs> I, I, One thing I have to commend you on is I thought it was really cool of you to, I, I know, I think it was actually in the case uh, in Woodstock, Illinois, where the media wanted to get involved. And you wouldn't give them information to protect the witnesses and also not to turn the, the area into like a cartoon world of monsters that, you know, the, the papers love to feed on for a while. And then, you know, some people don't appreciate that kind of attention to their town. And and I think that was cool of you to not to not care about that publicity for publicity's sake for what you do and to say, no, you know, the witnesses privacy is more important. Well, I, you know, thanks. Uh, uh, honestly, like that's something I, I, I feel very strongly about. Like it was, uh, it was pretty funny actually, because she said something along the lines of, uh, you know, I, I think my readers are, are going to be, or would be really interested in this story. And I'm like, well, I know they are, they've already been reading my articles about it. So I, I'm not sure what you think you're bringing to the table other than this, this, this circus atmosphere. Yeah. And but- the, the, the fact is um, there's a reason people don't come forward anymore. You know, I mean, it was uh, all the way through the, I'd say the the 1970s, early 80s. Um, people seemed a lot less resistant to the idea of, you know, uh, talking to journalists, uh, stepping in front of a camera, having their name in the newspaper attached to stuff like this. But I think even for people who aren't, you know, deeply involved in this field, the narrative of what happens to people who do that now because of decades of, 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 of media circuses is pretty clear. And, and, and that narrative is it ruins your life. Yeah. And so people don't want to do it anymore and I don't blame them. And you know, like I'm sure as heck not going to be a party to it. That's just, the whole thing is gross. Yeah, it's like when I go back and do historical research on hauntings and stuff, and it might just be a one-time thing that happened to some place in, in Michigan, but there's the names in the old paper. And, you know, I have every right to, to rewrite it uh, for an article or anything, but I, I, I like – that's why I like kind of dealing with older stuff because I feel like when it's like, oh, those people might still be alive and not appreciate this being dredged back up. <laughs> so, right. I yeah, that stuff never dies. But so so besides the Mothman – what other things have you been researching with the Singular 14 and, and what do you what plans do you have? Oh, sure. So, uh, you know, most recently, other than the uh, like Lake Michigan Mothman stuff, you know, we've we've been going out into the woods into the uh, the southern unit of the Kettle Moraine State Forest here in Wisconsin. Uh, we've been doing that with our friend Jay 
But Chochin, um, if if anybody don't know uh, doesn't know who that is, I very much encourage you to. Uh, well, you can check him out on social media, but also he just released a, a documentary, uh, which should be available on on Amazon Prime right now um, about his his own Bigfoot research. It's called Finding Jay, oh, cool. and uh, and so uh, uh, Emily and I have been going out with him into the that particular unit of the the kettle moraine state forest and uh it's a really interesting place you know like there have been uh bigfoot sightings reported uh this is in in uh area where people have reported dogman before um and when we go out into the in into these woods like i i'm, I'm not gonna lie we experience some some very strange things uh you know we've seen um unexplained orbs on multiple occasions um these weird red lights i i'm hesitant to call them well the the association that you want to make immediately is with the the glowing red eyes that everybody you know reports when 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 they see monsters or whatever but i don't know that to be true but there are some weird red lights out there um that i wouldn't blame somebody if if they did uh, uh uh mistake it for that or make that association but uh, yeah there's i mean there's just there's a lot of really weird stuff going on uh in in that particular area and uh and so that's where we've been spending a, a significant amount of our our field time just going out and well you know and, and and we're not afraid to get weird with it so you know like we'll bring our spirit boxes out yeah. and uh and just try to communicate with with things that way and we've got some interesting results there um but uh, but yeah, I mean that's 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 been a, a a big amount of our our focus lately as far as like field research. Um, I'm actually looking forward to getting out there again soon. Uh, you know, it's winter in in Wisconsin, yeah. and so we haven't been quite as active outside as 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 we normally would be. But uh, spring's right around the corner, so I know we're in Michigan, so we got the same issue. <laughs> Oh right! Yeah, we're gonna hit six to ten inches tonight. Yeah, no, shush. I saw, I, I saw one to three now. One to three. Ours so, got changed too. Like we were supposed to get hammered. Yeah, and then like it was, it, you know, they're saying like, oh, like you know, eight to ten or something. Yeah. And now it's like zero to one, maybe. Yeah. So, so I'm going with that. They're they're just blowing it out of proportion and. I don't know. We've had a great winter here. I don't know about you in Wisconsin, but it's it's been okay. Yeah, it's yeah. not been bad. I can't complain. Yeah. Um, you just actually going back to Mothman real quick. Um, mm-hmm. I know we were focusing on like Indiana and Illinois, but how did you get other reports from the other Great Lakes states like Michigan and Wisconsin? Yeah, there were one or two out of Michigan. That's definitely been the least active as far as reports. Um, you know, that's not always. Uh, uh, indicative of of the actual um uh, number of sightings it could just be that you know our reach isn't as 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 good in in michigan you know like a lot of this as far as uh uh, sighting reports go is uh, uh whether or not we're who somebody finds on a google search you know and Some of that is is dependent on region, so uh, who knows? But yeah, I mean, there, there there's been a, a, a small handful of sightings there. Uh, there's been more in Wisconsin, um, and the nice thing about having them in, in in Wisconsin too, or really just anywhere in Wisconsin or or northern Illinois, um, is we can get out there very very easily, and 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 we uh, we always do, you know, like we. Uh, 
we had a, a, an interesting sighting report in Wisconsin that came out of uh, uh, ago And so this would have been, the guy reported it a bit after it happened, but this would have actually been around the same time as the initial uh, uh, MUFON reports came out. And so uh, this this guy... Boy, uh, his sighting was was really something else. Like, uh, so he was he was headed home, and it was uh, like like I said, uh, spring of of 2017. And he's he's driving home. He lives out in the middle of nowhere. Like McQuanago is a tiny rural community outside of uh, Milwaukee, and uh, it's it's late. You know, it's maybe midnight when he gets home, and he lives with his parents at the time, and so he doesn't want to go inside because he's talking on the phone with his friend, and he wants to finish his conversation. And uh, he's worried that if he goes inside, you know, maybe he'll wake his parents up or something. And so he uh, he pulls his van into their their long gravel driveway, turns it around, and parks it like he normally does. And uh, it's pitch black out there. There's there's there there's no natural light. The only light present is from a lamp post that they have at the end of their driveway, which is about fifty feet away. And uh, so this guy is talking on the phone with his friend, and he uh, comes to the realization that in the ambient light from this lamppost, there is this huge humanoid shape standing in front of his van. And when I say standing in front of it, I mean, you know, maybe 10 feet away. Um, and, you know, so he, he's narrating to his friend what's going on as this happens. And, and so he turns on his headlights to, to see what this is. You know, maybe it's a person, you know, maybe it's his, one of his parents, like, who knows? So he turns on his headlights, and what he sees is what he initially described as a humanoid bat dragon. What? And ah, um, really? Yeah, no, that's that's what he said. And uh, see, now I, I I'll I'll digress briefly. Now, a lot of times, people will struggle to describe uh, the, the the creature because I feel like there isn't necessarily a good vocabulary yeah. uh, for people to describe <laughs> these impossible creatures. Oh yeah, and so we get very creative uh, uh, creature names. You know, I've had people uh, talk about like the flying deer bat or <laughs> or the tar man yeah. or you know a, a, a bat dragon. And so this guy turned his headlights on and he saw this thing that he thought was about nine feet tall and it oh, had this God. like dark scaly skin. And he knew it was scaly because it had been misting out all day, and he could see the reflection um, because it, it it was a little wet because again it had been misting out all day, and so he said he saw this thing standing there, and it's got these membranous bat wings, and they are sort of wrapped around it in front. So if you can picture like how a bat hangs upside down, how it has its wings wrapped around itself, that's how he said this thing was standing with its wings uh, wrapped around itself. And so, you know, he he looks at it, it looks at him, and uh, he tells his friend about it, and he's terrified, of course. And, um, And this thing, he said, sort of quickly like blurred, and then it was gone. And, uh, and this was one where Emily and I, of course, went out there and, uh, and, you know, talked to the guy face to face. And, um, I gotta tell you like 10 AM on a Saturday in broad daylight, uh, beautiful spring weather. Uh, this guy was still terrified. Like he was still sweating. Um, and you know, maybe some of that was telling this 
uh, crazy story to to complete strangers. But I, you know, I, I I don't think that was that that was the only reason. I mean, he really seemed very disturbed by this encounter and the possible implications uh, of of it, and um, and it had a real effect on him. But uh, yeah, that was. I was right here in Wisconsin. Yeah, no, I don't want to see that either. No, and and you know when right. talk, talking about seeing that stuff and, and being and and being scared to talk about it again, one of the things I, I forgot to mention earlier was not just having uh, worried about what your family, friends, and neighbors are going to think. It's actually this fear of retribution from the phenomenon itself. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That it's going to come back at you for some reason or like you narked on it or something. So, you know, the grays are coming back to get you and finish the job. Like, and that's, <laughs> that's kind of freaky on its own. No, it that, is freaky. That there's a fear of this, this unknown thing that it could come back and actually harm you or, or do something or, or affect you in well, some way. Well, we're dealing, I, I say this all the time and I'll say it again. You're dealing with the unknown and to people... Most people's perception of the unknown is death. The unknown equals death to people. That's It scares people, right? Because it's uncertainty. You don't know where you're at. So if you're faced with something of what we just talked about, a nine-foot dragon-like creature with wings that wrap around it, um, that's something you don't see every day. You don't know where it is. You don't know what it's capable of. Yeah. You don't know if it knows where you live or not. If you don't know anything. If you're food or not. Yeah. You don't know if you're, yeah, you're going to be its next meal for, for God's sake. You don't know anything. So, um, that there, that I think that idea uh, this idea of retribution is, is very logical for people. Uh, and I think I wouldn't fault anybody for being scared after going through something like that. Worried about what may happen to him now. It'd, it'd be like finding, I mean, to me, it's it's this idea like, you know, you're finding a million dollars on the ground and you pick it up and the next thing you know. Is some, someone going to come after some, me for this? Some, some, some drug, Should I keep it? Some drug lord's <laughs> like, give me my money, you know, or I'm going to kill you. I mean, it's the same idea. It's scary. It's simple as yeah. that. It's just scary. Uh, I can't fault someone for feeling that way. So, okay, that was awesome, Tobias. Thank you so much for <laughs> yeah, coming yeah. on. Thanks for having me. Talking creepy, creepy crypto creatures, um, you know, near our home state, which is also more terrifying. Which it, well, that, yeah, that trips me out. Yeah, when it's closer to home, yeah, when you're closer to home, you're like, Ugh. like all of a sudden they're going to start showing up in Detroit. And uh, <laughs> But then we're going to be seeing you well, we have the soon. Name Rouge here. In, we have the um, Rouge. Well, yeah, we got a, we got a mythical dwarf. It's not mythical. He's real. <laughs> he's real. And uh, but anyway, we're going to be seeing you yeah, at yeah. the Haunted America conference. Um, oh, awesome! In yeah. June, and I I know. How can we not get the date? We right never here? have a date. I got. I'll get it up here in a minute. Keep talking. It's like oh, the, I hope you're not counting on me. I am terrible. No, with I, dates, I I, I and can I tell really you hope like Troy doesn't listen to this because I should know. I can tell you like 20-something. June 26th and 27th. Okay. Thank you. Now, are, 2020. Are, are you and Emily speaking this year? Uh, I will be. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm still working on 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 convincing Emily to, to <laughs> speak in public, too. Okay. And, and so, and do you guys have a podcast, too? Uh, we have a Patreon-exclusive podcast. Okay. Um, which is is a lot of fun. So if anybody's, you know, is interested in being more of a part of what we do, you can always check out what we're doing through, you know, patreon.com slash singular 40 in. Awesome. Um, cool. And uh, yeah, we've got a podcast through there. We've got like investigation footage and, and, and all that fun stuff. 
Yeah, and and make sure everybody go and check out the Singular 14 website because it's super nice. It's really clean looking. It's pretty. Emily, I'm telling it's you. It's really she's pretty. Amazing. It's really, we'll tell her it's really pretty. And, and there's a lot of stuff to read. green on black backgrounds. No, no, none of that. All cap text. No. No. And <laughs> and what's really cool with our conversation tonight about the Lake Michigan Mothman, there's actually a timeline that goes back to 1969 and some earlier accounts and gives like a really concise, like just year by year account of everything if you're really, really interested in this and, and kind of want to see everything in that chronological order. So, um, yes, awesome. Thank you so much, yes. Tobias. We really, yeah, really, really, really appreciate the time. And we'd love to have you back sometime again. Yeah, definitely. Ghostly Talk! <laughs>